You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hey, how you doing over there? We're good, man. Don't judge. Don't judge. Lynch. I'm not judging. I'm it's, just asking you a question. That's a very judgy tone that you, you had. You, <laughs> you snapped the headphones together, looked at them like they were... An was, alien object. I just want to see which, you know, on headphones, it's like one ear is the right one and one is the left. I just want to make sure I was putting them on right. Uh-huh. Feels weird. Yeah, it doesn't. No. You can put them on either way. It's fine. Yeah, it feels weird when it's not on the right way. Okay. It's like wearing a, a left shoe on the right foot. Don't like it. Feels weird. Well, of course you that can, feels weird. You can because, do it. But no, you can't. Still, yeah, I mean, it, technically, yeah. You know, yeah. You didn't put your shoe on the wrong foot as a kid. Of course I did, but I didn't wear it the wrong well, way. I went, well, that's weird. This doesn't fit at all. Why is it squeezing my Which is why I didn't foot? wear my headphones that way, because it's uh-huh. that's not the way it goes. I think you're just making this up. I'm just saying. All right. Let's talk some NFL here. We got the Hate It or Love It coming up in the 1030 segment. And uh, I don't remember who won last week. Did Rashad You win? won last week. I won last week? Yeah, oh, I, I definitely remember. Yeah, you won last week, and I got to... Oh, yeah, because Jesse allowed me to go first, and I still won. The or or made, made me go first, and I still won which is kind of nice. Um, so that'll be coming up at 1030, and then we'll do some uh, NFL here before we get to that. Hey, and man, I, Atlanta Falcons going old-school Falcons jerseys. Those are dope. I know. I like that. And the Lions are going all grays, which is – They look like Grant. I don't – They do. They do. <laughs> I don't, They just need the blue helmets, I don't like, like all it. blue. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I normally like cool jersey combinations, but I feel like they don't – even appear on the screen because they kind of mesh into the turf. They used to be like that same, you know, kind of gray at a point, I think. But they weren't all gray. They were gray pants, gray gray tops, and silver. silver It was more silver. I think they they look more like pajamas. Like, I feel like they look like they're wearing pajamas. (laughs) They do kind of look like they're wearing pajamas. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And then yeah. they cut right to the Falcons who yeah, look. Those, those Falcons great jerseys are badass. In man. their classic Falcons jerseys. Yeah, I like their new ones a lot, but it's cool to see the the old logo again. You know whose jersey I really like, and I know we got to get to. I love oh, the Browns. I love the Browns jerseys. That, that for whatever reason, that is a cool jersey for me. The, just the, 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 the new one. No, even the old ones, just the 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 brown with the orange or the black with the men. Those are fresh. Because I think a lot of people have hated the new Browns jerseys. And I, I think they're pretty cool. You mean the black with the orange? They kind of look like Oregon State's or like uh, I like I like the new uh, Browns jerseys. Yeah. They, well, they have three or four options now. They're doing the the multi-option thing. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. I think it I think it works really well. Who has the best classic jersey that that they still wear now? Uh, probably the Packers. I mean, well, that, no, 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 that's... no, no, no. That's not what I mean. Sorry. Yes, they still wear their old jersey. What I mean is when they do a throwback game, oh. who has the best classic that they use once or twice a year? Oh. Um, dang! It's hard not to say this. This black on red Falcons is is not 
it, that's super fresh. I like. I think the old school 49ers jerseys are really cool too. I'm partial to the Broncos, of course, when they wear the D on the helmet. Yeah, or with, the, with the, the blue, with the blue, like the royal blue, yep. like that's a cool jersey. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, is that Trey Burton? That is Trey Burton. Uh, yes. Just caught like yes! a sixty-yard touchdown. Yes. The, the least cool uh, jersey is the cream sickle Tampa Bay. Yep. Uh, jerseys. Those, I also, those should be burned and never ever worn ever again. I'm also liking the Rams classic, but new again. White and blue. Look. Those are cool, too. Those are really cool. Because they wore the yellow and blue on Thursday Night Football. Mm -hmm. But the white and blue, I think, looks even better. I think that's, it's really cool. Yeah, that's the old, you know, uh, the old Rams. You know, so those those jerseys are always super classic. I don't know what it is about that royal blue. Because even all of our team, like the Patriots, the old colors that used to be, you know, the royal blue with the guy on the side, with the little Patriot on the side in the three-point stands, or uh, hiking the ball, like, I don't know why they just do it uh, away with royal. Like seriously, which colors right now in NFL have a royal blue in them? That's such a cool color. Does anybody have a royal blue? I'm, I mean, I know most of them have like a you know it, it's kind of switched to like a navy or something like that. But as I think about it, I'm like the Rams if they do those jerseys, the Patriots if they do their old school jerseys, yeah. Uh, you guys if you do the Broncos if you do your old school jerseys, is that but, royal blue? It, it even seems lighter than that. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. You're talking the lighter blue. Oh, color. I guess I guess the the Colts. Well, yeah, or the Panthers because they do the super light blue, uh, the like, like tealish blue or the turquoise is turquoise ish blue. I think that's kind of one too. That's pretty cool. But yeah, so classic jerseys, and that's I guess a good enough way since we're talking about the Rams to lead into the Rams conversation. The Rams on Thursday night football played a very close game with the Vikings, but it didn't really feel that close, which was the funny thing. They won thirty eight to thirty one. Vikings put up a lot of points on a Rams defense that was suffering from some, from some injuries, but it was, it was a, it was an eye opening coming out party on a national scene for a Rams offense. That looks like it's going to be unstoppable. Oh my gosh. And I just, what Sean McVay has done with that offense from what, just two years removed from the seven and nine BS Jeff Fisher years where the offense was stagnant. Jared Goff looked like a completely wasted pick and he wasn't going to be any good to now. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league with an offense that has not one, not two, not three, but four, because I'm including Todd Gurley, elite wide receivers, not elite, but very good wide receivers who look elite because of the offense. And then one of the best, if not the best running backs in the game in Todd Gurley running the football. Oh yeah. And a really good defense that has the best defensive line in the NFL. And despite injuries at the moment, a really good secondary as well. Are they going to lose? <laughs> I know it's overreaction, but Holy cow. Their offense is just unstoppable. I mean, there's only been, you know, there's a couple teams that run through the regular season. One of them was my Patriots back in 2007. And then the, the, the dolphins, you know, apparently you know, clearly from the seventies, but if there's any team that looks like they can run the board, it, it's it's got to be the Rams. Like, they're scary up front. And then when you add guys to your defense that were all, you know, when you have an Aaron Donald who his past four years in the NFL have just been a nightmare for every other offense in the league, then you add somebody who was voted at one point in his career the most intimidating player in the NFL and Dom Sue to your front four, holy hell. And then you add a Marcus Peters, like you said, who, again, is suffering some injuries. Akeem Tlaib. He, well, he played. Tlaib is out yeah, for Tlaib, eight weeks. Tlaib is going to be out and everything. You look at these, this team and you go, who 
who can beat them? Like you put them on the field with the Eagles, and I mean, I'm I'm taking the 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 Rams by six, maybe seven points, just because I think they're really that good. I mean, outside of Alshon Jeffrey, uh, who's really their their threat? Through, you know, when they for them through the air, like I mind they, they have a good they have they a good set Zach, of receivers. They got Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, you know, who's getting much older. You know, they have a good set of of receivers, but man, their offense is nothing like what the Rams are able to offer, and I think that's scary for the rest of the league. Absolutely. All right. Let's let's get back on time here. Let's take this break. West Coast Bias is next and we'll continue this conversation. I want to talk about Sean McVay. Uh, is he what Chip Kelly should have been the way he's running the offense? And let's take a look and see. I mean, there, there's probably going to be a loss or two on their schedule. It's almost impossible to go undefeated. But let's just see how good do you think this Rams offense can actually be as the year goes on? This is Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I had an ear in my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. We continue the Rams conversation into the West Coast bias here on Football Sunday. Better you today. Text lines 55305. Find us on Twitter at Mike Lynch 27 is me at TaylorMade503 is Rashad and Jesse's at Jesse Osman A-S-Z-M-A-N. But we're talking about the just how good the Rams are and just I know they only won by seven points on Thursday Night Football, but holy cow. It didn't feel like a seven-point win. It felt like the Vikings were just trying to hang on for dear life and doing a pretty good job doing it, but not able to keep up with what the Rams were doing on offense. What the Rams did was, with their receivers, was one of the more amazing things that I've seen in a long time. Where they've got three guys, and four if you're including Gurley, which I like to do, that all want the football, that are all good enough to be a, a number one receiver in that offense at any moment and all want the football. And what you saw was almost designated drives for each guy. It was almost like they were just toying with the Vikings. They went, okay, so Cup's going to get this drive, and he got a long touchdown, and then he had a second touchdown on a drive that was basically all him. Oh, okay, now Brandon Cooks is going to get this drive, and he had five straight catches or something and caught a touchdown. Oh, and then Robert Woods is going to get this drive where he caught three balls and a touchdown. Oh, yeah, and Todd Gurley's going to catch a touchdown too on six targets. They had 11, 8, 5, and 6 targets, respectively, in that order that I just read them. Cup 11, Cooks 8, Woods 5, Gurley 6. They're spreading the ball around evenly to all those guys. They all catch the ball because they're always open. And it and Goff just looks like a superhuman now because he's thrown for 465 yards, 5 touchdowns, 26 of 33. It's set up in a way by McVay so that it's almost impossible to fail. Just watching the offense, they're always open. And Goff isn't making, I mean, he's making good throws, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have to make impossible throws all the time. They're, and that's why I asked the question, is Sean McVay doing what Chip Kelly couldn't in the NFL or what Chip Kelly tried to do in the NFL? Um, Because he's setting an offense up where his receivers are open all the time. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, Chip is was one of those guys that his, his personality really weighing on people really fast and it's not that he didn't have the the offensive tools to make some of those things happen um for whatever reason i just think he had a hard time relating to people mcveigh is much different mcveigh is young mcveigh is somebody who looks like he could be doing 
modeling for the gap or for, for banana Republic or something like that. And so you got a guy that's really speaking to a lot of these men. And then really, this is a team of guys that's still man, relatively young. You know, you're looking at a quarterback in Jared Goff who's still really young, only in his third season. Uh, Todd Gurley is in his what third season at this point, man, Robert Woods. Uh, so you're looking at a team of people that number one are incredibly talented, but you've, you've built a culture of, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play hard. We're going to play strong every single night. You have to give Wade Phillips, you know, a lot of credit for really what he was able to do, you know, in his time as the defensive coordinator for the Rams because he had, he had them playing totally different starting last year. And then you add an Indomitian Sioux to this team. And then you go ahead and add a Marcus Peters to this team. And you add an Akeem Tlaib. And all of a sudden, I mean, tell me, I mean, of all those guys, those are all all pro Pro Bowl names. You know, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. Uh, uh, when If he's not hurt, uh, Farrell Cooper, you know what I mean? Like, this is a team full of guys that had to do nothing but perform. And if I don't want to be on the Rams schedule, man, they've outscored their opponents in four games, 140 to 67. They haven't had a game yet in four weeks where they've scored anything less than 33. So they know how to put the ball in the end zone. And like you said, it's okay. You're, it's going to be you this time, Gurley. We're going to ride you all the way to the end zone. You know, Brandon Cooks, get ready. This drive is going to be for you. That's what it seemed like on Monday Night Football. Well, and, and the thing, too, that I want to bring up is the the way that McVeigh runs his offense is almost just constant misdirection. He's constantly running the wide receiver on a on a motion. He's constantly moving his receivers around on the edge. And it just makes the defense unsettled because maybe only four times a game does he actually toss the ball to the receiver who's running the jet sweep or does that guy run a route that they throw to. But because they do it and because it works effectively, it makes the defense keep in mind that kind of a play attempt. It also, in the red zone, allows for that little fake sweep, little shovel pass to the running back that we've seen multiple teams kind of steal over the last couple of weeks that works so well in getting the guy into the end zone when you're on, like, the four-yard line. And that's one thing that I think Chip Kelly wanted to try to do in the NFL and that we saw him do with Oregon with the run-pass option. And trust me, the Rams are using a lot of run-pass options as well, RPOs, as you hear them called on the broadcast. But the uh, the craziest thing for me is that McVeigh is actually doing it effectively when Kelly, I think you're right, was a little bit too much of a me, 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 this is my team, give me all the control, and then I'm going to try to run that offense. McVeigh isn't doing that, and I think he's more motivating than Chip ever was, and I think it's a great combination. Plus, having Wade Phillips as a veteran, I think, helps as well on the coaching staff. It's, it's that combination of, like, uh, innovative mind along with kind of it, – it reminds me a lot of what – um, Pete Carroll did when he came to Seattle. You know, he's a real players guy. He had a lot of energy that players like. The, the difference is this is a young, young guy in his 30s. You know, I, I think he's younger than I am. It, it, he's, it, it, but what he does that's so special is this guy can tell you um, what happened in the second drive of week three last year with his team. Down Like, every single play and what happened and how it worked because this guy's got one of those special photographic memories. And that, you know, that puts him in a special position to call perfect plays at the perfect time. And he puts these, these guys in, in a great position to succeed. You, you mentioned it the last, um, 
the the last segment, the difference between Jeff Fisher and McVeigh. Yeah, I'm sure Fisher's going, well, if I would have had this Jared Goff, well, you probably could have had this Jared Goff if you were worth a damn coaching, but you're right. not. And, and McVeigh's kind of sh- coming in, showing. It, you don't have to be a great player. You just have to have a great mind to be a great coach. Absolutely. And I do think that we we had this question of maybe – he wouldn't work in the NFL because he kind of feels like that college type coach, a little rah-rah. You know, he's he's got the super intense, like he's everything is positive and everything is great. And we've seen that in the NFL fail because when you're a younger coach who's that way, the veterans go, shut up. Like, I don't need this rah-rah. I know how to get motivated for my own game. But what the Rams did, which I thought was very smart, is they brought Sean McVay in with an uber young team. And now that he's proven himself as a good coach to be coached by, they went out and they got the veterans this offseason, built built themselves kind of a little bit of a super team, if you will. And they're going to buy in because they already saw that he can win and be good and be exciting and interesting. It's not like they went, Sean McVay, go to a team that's filled with vets and and do this. They'd probably all be like, get out of here, 33-year-old. Like, it's not that that wouldn't work. But because Goff was young, because Gurley is young, because Cup and Woods and, I mean, now Cooks, although he's not as young, but they're younger players, because they started off young, I think that was the right way to do it. No, I think that was an awesome way. You look at uh, really the success that Pete Carroll had his first few years in Seattle. And like you said, he came there. He was not a younger guy, but knew how to relate to younger guys just because he had been coaching them for so long in college, man. He knew that he just have to be able to speak the language. I always say this thing when working with youth, um, it's not necessarily about, you know, uh, white men working with black students or vice versa, black uh, men or women working with white students. It's about, man, relationships. Man, can I speak their language? Can I get them to understand? And that's how you're able to build relationships. Here you got to have a you have a guy in Sean McVay that's saying all the right things to his team, and it's making veterans, man, real life all pro veterans like Indomik and Sue say, okay, man, I can do this. I can go out there and try to win football games for you because I like the things that you're saying, and you know how to talk to me as a man and as a coach and things like. That. So I think it's important. Uh, culture is always important. It's something we harp on here on this show. Culture, culture, culture. You look at Oregon State right now and what's happening, man. They've changed this culture of just laying down and having no heart to at least trying to win some games. You know, you look at the culture that Hart uh, Helfrich set with Oregon and now how Mario Cristobal has kind of changed a lot of that. Like, it's culture's everything, and McVeigh has really created a winning culture in Los Angeles, and I think it's awesome. The other thing, too, that I think is, is a little interesting aspect of this is He's running a very, I keep saying college style. It's because of the the RPOs and the and the movement and the open receivers and the and the short passing game. It, it reminds me a lot of, of what we see in college be so effective, like an air raid kind of system, obviously with a good running back, not not never running the ball. But what's interesting is he was in the NFL to start. He was not brought in from college. We've not seen a lot of success of guys coming from college to the NFL. Very little. But he started at this level and was an assistant but learned the new offense while knowing how it would work in the NFL versus just being hard-headed and saying, well, this worked in college. Why won't, why won't it work here? And I think that's an interesting aspect of it too, that maybe this will start a trend of hiring much younger guys who have potentially a fresher way of looking at the game but are still assistants in the NFL to start. 
versus trying to poach from the college game and have it fail is you'll find a way to run that kind of an offense inside the NFL. You just weren't looking at it because it's the good old boys club. And Sean McVay kind of broke that by being the youngest coach in NFL history. Yeah, and so, and who knows, could possibly be the youngest coach in NFL history to compete for a Super Bowl considering how well his team is actually playing right now. So uh, whatever he's telling his team in L.A., especially, that's a tough thing, too, to stay motivated and playing in Los Angeles, man, playing in New York. That's a reason I think the Jets and Giants suck so much every year is because there's a lot of additional distraction, distractions when you play in one of those huge media markets like New York or L.A. And right now, man, he they're, they're the toast of the town. You know, it's going to be ramped for the next few weeks. All we're going to hear about is Rams and Lakers, baby. That's what it's going to be. And then the Clippers and, and Chargers are just going to be like shooed to the side like redhead stepchildren and everything. But you're going to hear a lot of Rams. You're going to hear a lot of Lakers stuff. Isn't that just kind of naturally how it goes anyway? Absolutely. <laughs> Lakers and, and, and Rams. And we were already going to talk Lakers anyway because of, you know, LeBron. but Or because of them being the Lakers. Now you add LeBron to that team and, oh, okay, well, they're definitely must-see now. So the Rams have three straight road games next at Seattle, at Denver, at San Francisco. And they should beat Seattle. Seattle's not very good. They should beat Denver. Denver's not very good. And they should beat San Francisco, especially now that Jimmy Garoppolo's out. And that leads all the way up to a Green Bay game at home against the Packers and then a game against the Saints. So those two weeks right there, that could be where they trip up for the first time. Maybe the three-game three, three game road trip will get brutal after a while. But I, I don't know. I think they'll lose a game or two. But I don't know where it's going to be because I think this offense is just so much fun. No, yeah, this offense is it's elite. And uh, we just got a text here on the Better You Today text lines. Are the Rams the first super team to put together uh, a la the Golden State Warriors draft with their core and added some good free agents? Man, possibly. No. I mean, I mean that, that we can think of the last, you know, little bit. I know that the Seahawks, you know, had a great uh, – actually, most of those guys were drafted to play there. No, the uh, it was a fumble. Don't worry, not your players. Oh, I, I know. I can see JJ Watts in the field, so clearly wasn't the offense. Um, no, I, I think the first super team it didn't work, but the first attempted super team was the Eagles. If you remember when they went and got Namdi Asamoa, and they got a couple of the other top defensive players, they tried to add into their young core. It just didn't work. It went really, really wrong. Was Namdi really that good though? Yeah. For, I don't the, for the I mean, Raiders, he was great. For the for the for the Raiders in that system, he was he was good. But no I don't system know. here. The problem is, is shutdown corners have really short careers of being elite shutdown corners. It's very rare that you find a guy who's elite shutdown corner for like eight straight years. He did marry Kerry Washington too, so I guess it paid off for him. <laughs> right, and I just think Austin Wall was one of those guys that had a couple of really good years, and then it faded. He got hurt, didn't fit in the offense, and it faded. So I think that's what happened. Um, all right, coming up next, let's uh, get to a break here, and then we will do uh, Hate It or Love It. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Before anybody asks questions, the sound effects you will hear are points being awarded to us and a little timer for us knowing uh, when we need to wrap up our question. We only get a minute to wrap up the answer. I mean, we only get a minute to answer the question. So it's it. that's why there are Mario sounds in the background. Those are the sounds we picked. 
okay. there were our sounds before that stupid ESPN show stole them and started using them. I know. Yeah, I know. They they copied us. We, we get we get jerks. A lot of people steal our stuff, man. The the Seahawks show next. We have the outro, mm-hmm. and then they took that same song as their the intro. Song. Jerks. Okay. Yeah, no, jerks, Seahawks jerks, are jerks, jerks too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was our idea first, guys, clearly. Yeah. Stop, <laughs> stop biting. That's cool. It was originally we're our idea. We're the originals. And that's, I mean. We're Championship Sunday for a reason. There you go. Dang straight. All right, Jesse, what do you got for us? All right, well. Oh, I, I won, so Rashad goes. I get to pick, and Rashad gets to go first. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, uh, Rashad Taylor goes <sighs> first. He loves going first. I love it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, man, what's up with this Lavian Bell situation in Pittsburgh? Uh, last week, we kind of were able to break the news, be the first uh, show in Portland to report that uh, Lavian Bell is on the trade block. They've literally taken him off the roster at this point. And it's Pittsburgh. Uh, kind of moved on to James Conner. Love or hate, Bell will be traded before the de- trade deadline. Um. Hey, uh, I, I honestly don't think that there's any fair market for a guy like Lavian Bell. Like, you would have to give up a whole, whole lot to make sure that you can get somebody with his skill set. You're not getting in an Adrian Peterson at this point who's at the tail end of his career. You're getting somebody who's right in the thick of it at 28 years old, I think, is where Le'Veon Bell is right now. So he's somebody that's still proven that he's phenomenal catching the ball out of the backfield. He is a great blocker when Ben Roethlisberger needs his running back to step up and block. He can actually go ahead and and um, line up as a receiver if need be. There are very few guys not named Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley that can do some of the things that Le'Veon Bell is able to do. And so for that, Pittsburgh is going to ask for a whole lot. They know they're not going to be able to uh, to get rid of him this year because nobody's going to play, pay the price tag that they actually want for him. Le'Veon's going to come back week 10. He's going to play. He's going to help this Pittsburgh team make the playoffs and make that push they're still in a a division that's incredibly winnable with the browns winning their first game and baltimore looking like they're the leader of that division right now so they're very much in the thick of it james connor is a good running back but i think pittsburgh and mike tomlin know he is no Lavian bell at this point and so because of that i think they're going to hang on to him but he will not be on the team this time next year Uh, i'm the exact opposite opinion of you i love it I don't think the Steelers are very good this year. I think you're seeing the last season of Ben Roethlisberger. He's talked about retiring for the last few years. This is going to be it because he just doesn't look that good. James Conner doesn't look as good as Le'Veon Bell did. And as Jesse mentioned earlier in the show, the only positive so far has been Juju Smith-Schuster has lived up to the hype that he had coming into the year. The reason I say love is this. The Steelers are asking for a second round pick and a quote quality player. As the season goes on, that demand will drop slightly. And as the season goes on, a team that has a great running back is going to lose their great running back to an injury. And guess who's going to be available? Le'Veon Bell. And guess who's going to be able to help them immediately? Le'Veon Bell. And there are many teams out there that I think are willing to pay what Le'Veon Bell is asking for. Maybe not the exact number, but they're going to be willing to pay him, unlike the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're going to be willing to give a certain amount of money or a certain amount of quality player and that second round pick to Pittsburgh, who's going to need that because they're not going to be very good. So I say love. Uh, they will trade Bell by the trade deadline. The love, the energy from both you guys that time. Um, moving on. Now, when Rashad showed up today, he and I talked about uh, Kansas City. There's not a lot of tape on Patrick Mahomes. He's been so good. It's hard to slow down somebody when you don't know what is what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do. 
but we have seen a track record of Kansas City teams that just look really, really, really great under Andy Reid and then just kind of fizzle in the end. Love or hate, KC will make the playoffs, but like a classic Andy Reid team, fizzle down the stretch and fail to make the AFC Championship game. Uh, Love. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Shoot. But you're on the clock. Man, hate. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate that they fizzle for the simple fact that um, at this point, Patrick Mahomes has, has proven that he can be a very good NFL quarterback. He has a cannon on him that Alex Smith never had, and he was able to make plays that Alex Smith couldn't make, not just with his legs, but with his arm. We saw him escape the pocket the other day um, after looking like he was going to be sacked for sure, and he turned that into a full touchdown. Like, Patrick Mahomes is absolutely the real deal. And then you pair him with some of those weapons that they have in Kansas City, a Tyreek Hill, um, a Hunt, and then you still have a guy in Travis Kelsey who may still be the second-best tight end in all of football, a defense that's looking like they're finally starting to understand and play that kind of uh, that 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 Chiefs defense that we were seeing for a, a, a couple years ago with Justin Houston and some of those guys up front. So I'm looking at this team, and I'm, this is the best quarterback that Andy Reid has possibly had since maybe Donovan McNabb. And we all know he was able to take Donovan McNabb to the Super Bowl and really able to compete in the a- NFC Championships for four years with Donovan McNabb. So I think Patrick Mahomes is somebody who can definitely come in. He's a big, strong arm. And this Kansas City team right now, they look like they might be the best team in the AFC. I will once again disagree. I'm going to say love that they would fizzle down the stretch, but it's not for the reason that you think it's going to be. The reason they've fizzled down the stretch the last few years is because Alex Smith, although good, wasn't good enough to win in the playoffs. That's not going to be the case with Patrick Mahomes, who I think is a very, very good quarterback who is playing in an offense that fits him coming from Texas Tech. We've seen a lot of air raid guys struggle in the NFL, but Andy Reid has built this offense to fit him. The reason they're not going to win in the playoffs is because their defense is atrocious. Their defense is not playing better. Their defense has given up 28, 37, and 27 points. They have a horrific secondary. They have a bad defensive line. The only good player on the defense is Justin Houston. So, yes, they're going to win plenty of shootouts, but what do you need in the playoffs? You need to be able to stop teams from scoring, and the Chiefs cannot stop teams from scoring, and they are not going to win in the playoffs because of that. Uh, Andy Reid, you're right in Philadelphia had a track record in the playoffs of at least making it to the Super Bowl once and getting to the NFC title game a couple of times, but it's not going to be the case uh, with a defense this bad. And that's not something that's going to get fixed at the trade deadline or anything like that. They need to, they need to draft a defense. That's good. There's only so much a good offense can do. All right. Going into the final round. One point lead for a Mr. Mike Lynch. Ooh, man. All right. And we were all just waiting to see if a touchdown was going to be thrown there, but Deshaun Watson unable to make it happen. All right. It's amazing how bad he's been after the injury. It's like he lost all his confidence just because he hurt his knee. Yeah. It's, well, he's got a bad offensive line, too. That offensive line's been really bad. It's hard to play good quarterback when when your offensive line's that bad. Um... New England, New England, New England, New England. What do we think about New England? They got hammered by Detroit. Hammered. The winless Detroit. Yeah, yeah, the win. Well, not winless anymore after facing New England. I mean, oh, oh, Hopkins oh, touchdown. that was a DeAndre Jeez, Hopkins. There you go. Thank you. There you go. I was. I was My starting. Gosh, man, I was starting. Oh, no. Was that Fuller or was it Hopkins? No, it was Hopkins. No, it wasn't. Oh! It was Fuller. It was Fuller. Oh, man. Jeez, Louise, hey, you man. still got a Deshaun Watson touchdown. 
Stop looking so defeated. Anyways, all right, moving on. Uh, the New England Patriots defeated on last week by Detroit. Rough night for our boy Tom Brady. Now, I do have a question for you about this. They are not looking good to start the season. We've seen this before, but they really don't look good. Love or hate, New England will fail to win their division this season. Hey. Um, that's still a hard hate for me. Um, I still don't trust Ryan Hanna, Tannehill and the Dolphins, even though they are three and three and zero right now. I still don't trust them. Uh, you said it earlier, Jesse. You don't trust the Buffalo Bills. Nobody does, and we're still not sure what we're gonna get from Sam Darnold and the Jets. The Patriots are still the most consistent team there. This is not new for the Patriots. They've started seasons like this before. First game of the season a couple years ago when they beat the, the Seahawks in the uh, in the Super Bowl, they dropped the first game of the season to the Dolphins. Actually got waxed by the Dolphins. And then three weeks later, they went and played a Chiefs team, and they got waxed on Monday Night Football. And from there, they went on and uh, they won the Super Bowl that year. Last year, they didn't start the season on a high note. I believe they got waxed in the very first game of the season by Kansas City, I believe. You know, so this is this is not new for the Patriots. They're still trying to work things out. Not a good offensive line. Uh, almost zero receivers up until Josh Gordon has just joined the team right now. Uh, Gronkowski hasn't really been able to be Gronkowski because he's been the primary target for the Patriots at this point. They're still trying to figure out running back situations. Let's not forget that the head coach that beat the Patriots last week was Matt Patricia, who was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots and played that offense every single day in practice for five years as the defensive coordinator for the Pats. So he knew what to expect. It was almost similar to uh, Gruden playing uh, or being the coach of the Buccaneers and going back to play the Raiders. You knew exactly where the ball was going to be every single time, and Matt Patricia took advantage of it. I don't see it as any more than that. Please don't think the Pats are out of it because they're one and two to start the season. Uh, by the way, Golden Tate just had a super long touchdown run where he basically juked everybody out of their shoes and made it in. So uh, Lions retake the lead there. I'm going to say hate on this one as well, and it's more of a it's more of a, a lack of trust with the rest of the AFC East than it is a trust of the current offense that is the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots are fading. I think as with the Steelers, we are going to get a slow crumble of the Patriots as a dynasty, but I don't trust the Dolphins 3-0 start. They haven't beat anybody good yet, uh, and I don't like their receiver core necessarily, so I, I don't know if that's going to stick. The Jets, besides looking great in week one, have not looked great. Sam Darnold is crashing down to earth pretty quickly here, and uh, we all know the Bills are the worst team of football, so I think the Patriots by default will still be able to win the division. Now, they haven't started off this game against the Dolphins very well either, so it hasn't looked very good. But uh, I, I just think at some point they're going to come back. Rashad is right. I will agree with one of his points. They've had no receivers. Josh Gordon comes comes in this week. You've got Edelman coming back from his suspension next week. Gronk is still healthy. And you've now got, outside of Burkhead, a, a full complement of your running backs. At some point, this offense will start clicking. I'm not so sure about the defense being a good defense this year, but... Uh, at some point, you're going to get the offense clicking again, and I think they will still win the division by default because how can how on earth can you trust the Dolphins? You guys brought a lot of good energy. This is one of the better hate it or love it's on your guys' part uh, in is a while. Is like the most points we've ever gotten? I, uh, possibly. Like, I was just dishing them out left and right for you guys. There was uh, one point where I almost did, like, I, w I wanted to do, like, just a hit, 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 because I liked uh, one of Rashad's points but i i just gave him the normal one point who With is that this guy said, who just scored for the patriots oh Cardell uh, patterson. patterson oh that's patterson mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah so he he just scored you know uh, 10 nothing pats by the way as, yeah. we, as we had that conversation well you know if there's somebody that can make something out of a cordell patterson type of guy it's 
the Patriots. Oh my gosh, he was wide open though. Man, if he didn't that bring that down. Oh my wow. lord. Just wide open. Um with that said, today's winner is Rashad Taylor. Woo! I was gonna walk out and protest if that if I wasn't gonna win today. Seven I feel points like, I feel in that like last one. There was a bit of uh advantage for a guy who's a fan of that team. Oh, oh well, uh, I'm pretty sure I've done the, yeah, the I'm pretty sure Broncos you've got some Broncos love question. too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've got some Broncos love too. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, All right, Rashad, well, you get to host the last segment. Yeah, man, coming up, sports. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, it has been a minute since I've heard this song. I'll be real, and I'll be honest, I don't like it. I need to wait. You don't like the song? Why? No, I love the song. I don't like coming second, even if there are two people in the race. I I need to win quite often till I'm victorious. So I'll take this though. All right. So what do you want to talk about? Oh, we got to talk about stuff now. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. What else should we talk about? Um, I uh, thank you to Alicia. I got some pretty sweet tickets for WWE. You know, so I appreciate her for. For getting those to me, but uh, I saw that I, your son is a huge WWE guy, huh? He's a, so I've created a monster, Loki. Like he, uh, at first he, you know, he he kind of liked wrestling, but now it's like, oh, he's all on board. Everything about wrestling, WWE, he wants to be a part of it. So um, anytime wrestling is coming, like if we pass the Motor Center and he sees the marquee, and he's like, oh my gosh, SmackDown, Dad! And so he kind of freaked out. So. Shout out to my girl Alicia for making sure I can make that happen for my little dude. So that's the one thing that I never ever got into as a kid, probably because my parents didn't let me watch it for a while. Was wrestling, and I, well, I know a lot of people who are still into it and they watched it as a kid and they still watch it now. And I mean, we all know it's fake and we all know it's all stories. Whoa, 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 whoa. predetermined, predetermined. Right there, you go. I should not say fake. Right, they do hit each other. They do. They do suffer injuries. So, so there was there was one. It time- is predetermined, but. It's all about the. It's like a soap opera with yes. sports involved. Yes, or and wrestling. It, it all evolves around one it's championship sport, and always has. So the funny thing is, um, I remember on uh, Dusty and Cam one morning, um, WWE had came to town and they had had one of their performers on here. It was a guy named um, Kalisto, or yeah, he's a luchador, yep. Mexican wrestler. I remember that one. And um, he, Dusty, kind of made the mistake in saying, "Well, you know, because we all know it's fake." And Kalisto kind of paused and fixed his mask a little bit. And, hey, man, Dusty almost got pile drive low-key because, you know, the one thing pro wrestlers hate to hear is it's fake. Predetermined, yes. Fake, for sure not. Go fall on your bed 30 times when you get home and tell me if it starts to bother you at a point. Well, first the bed will break. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I mean, I, th- I think you may know this, Lynch. Jesse, you may know this as well. I actually trained for three months to be a pro wrestler. Really? I don't I think did. I did know that. I did. Uh it was it was brutal. Like that's a that's one of those things that you there's there's no getting used to it. I think in, in football, uh you get used to the contact. You know, it's not always pleasant, but you you know you're expecting it at some point. There's no way to get used to falling on the mat. And the ropes, that was the hardest part. That that's the part that sucked the most. The ropes are basically like a cable wire with tape around them, and that's it. You know, it's maybe stuffed inside of a uh, of a water hose, and they put tape around them. So it's incredibly painful when you 
bounce off of those things and everything. So I've never bruised before that day. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all the fantasy questions. We got a lot today. We actually couldn't get through all of them, which we're sorry about, but we'll we'll do our best uh, next week when we get to it again. We will be back next week, 9 to 11, same exact time as the Seahawks play the Rams uh, at a 125 start again. That'll be a great game. But the week after that, we are off. As, uh, as far as I know, Seahawks played 10 a.m., so we will have a Sunday off on the 14th. And then a bye week the following week means we'll be back to being on uh, 9 to 11. But that'll do it for us this week. Seahawks pregame coming up next for the game against the Cardinals. And then, of course, you'll have the game and postgame all coming up later on today here on The Fan. Next week, 9 to 11 again. And uh, you can find us on the Les Schwab Tires podcast on 1080thefan.com if you missed any of the show and want to go listen back. Good luck on your fantasy Sunday. May you get copious points, touchdowns, and a win for your fantasy kingdom. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! Arr. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!